Welcome to Intimacy Choreography in Conversation, where Ann and Carly talk candidly about the growing world of intimacy choreography and shifting performing arts spaces towards a culture of consent. Normally in this part of our intro, we would do a land acknowledgement, but after talking with a few of my Native American friends, I discovered that having a land acknowledgement without any actionable uh, strategies is in fact performative. So Mm -hmm. I and James am not doing a land acknowledgement. And in its stead, I am saying that until I have actionable strategy to help the Tongva people, that I have decided not to have a land acknowledgement. Please also that Carly was not here for this recording and that she has every freedom to express herself and her land acknowledgement as she wishes. And we as a podcast will discuss our next steps with this with respect to the community and we'll work on that for our next episode. Yep. Hello, 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 Carly. Hi, Anne. Hi, we're back. It's so good to be back. (laughs) 2021, and we're here for some fun. Yes, I love it. Great (laughs) slogan. So how you been? I've been I've been good. I mean, all all things considered. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe it. (laughs) But I am doing all right and just really happy to be back here with you in this virtual space where we talk about intimacy choreography and all the things. (laughs) How are you? All the things. I mean, so much has happened, you know, so much has happened in our, in our world. We have new things and new people running things, which is very refreshing. Um, (laughs) And all that I am seeming to be thriving and doing well. And, um, healthy and strong here in the land of the Tongva people. So yeah, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Happy to, happy to hear that. I think I don't hear my, my cat screaming like he does sometimes during this podcast. I think my, my partner put on cat TV. This is our new solution that I'm really excited about. Um, And he watches it and will like, just watch it until he falls asleep and get soothed by it. It's just like a bunch of birds and chipmunks eating seeds and corn on a tree branch for like two hours. It's incredible. It's helped my Zoom life a lot. (laughs) That's hilarious. What is that? I may need to watch it myself. (laughs) I think I don't even remember what it what it's on. But um, I'll I'll set I'll send you the link if you want to watch some some birds and, and chipmunks just pack it seeds in a chat TV. <laughs> what do they think of next? <laughs> it's really speaking fantastic. of. Yes. Speaking of what will they think of next? What are we going to talk about today? This first day of season two of intimacy choreography in conversation. What are we going to talk about today? I see. I see. I'm really excited that you asked that. We're going to talk about empowering the actor today. It's going to be our kind of boundaries edition um, and empowering actors of how they can think on, find, claim their boundaries. And this is kind of like work that actors can do, you know, even while the, the full industry is not totally up and running. These are some things, some tools and ideas both of us have, um, to make an offering to to actors. So I'm stoked about this. Yeah, so am I. Uh, I think it's going to be a wonderful conversation that we can have. And, you know, I mean, as things open back up, we have to realize that the game has changed, you know, since mm-hmm. the death of George Floyd and the social uh, movement that has taken uh, this country by storm. Also coupled with We See You Watt, uh, we see you white American theater. That's what that means. Um, and all the upheaval in the unions, you know, trying to get more, uh, more power and strength around the idea of intimacy work, not only in television and film, but also on the stage. Uh, 
we really are going to have to think about actors in a different way and really take into consideration uh, trying to diffuse that power dynamic in the room by empowering actors uh, with a few tips that we have and a few resources. Um, I know I am so proud to know you, Carly, um, simply because you have developed this questionnaire slash survey for people who are interested in knowing more about their boundaries, actors who are interested in uh, defining their boundaries. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And also thank you so much for like looking at my drafts and, and giving me feedback. You were a part of the amazing community that, that I had to do that, that really helped shape that. Um, so I, I so appreciate you. Um, and I so appreciate actors. I made this worksheet and I'll do a lot of the work I do because I fucking love actors, man. <laughs> like, I think they're incredible. Um, most of my closest friends are actors. My fiance is an actor. I was long ago back in the day. And I think actors do some amazing stuff. We really ask a lot of them to like use their themselves as a vessel to tell these stories in their bodies. So I was just thinking about, um, I don't know, what is something that I could do to offer a tool to help fill a gap that I feel like is really missing in actor training that I certainly did not get in actor training, which is just the opportunity to consider what do you want to say yes to versus no to? I think in the entertainment industry and in uh, you know, university acting programs, all kinds of training acting programs, there is this honestly really toxic message of you have to be game for anything if you really want to have a career in this. You know, it's like that you always have to say yes. Uh, it, it's this this scarcity model that we've talked about a lot where, oh, there's so many actors and there's so few jobs and opportunities. So, you know, if you say no, we'll just get one of you know, hundreds of others who are waiting in line for this and who don't have boundaries. And I think that is really harmful. And so I'm really excited uh, to offer just one tool of many as we start to shift away from that and towards this culture of consent. Um, so I was thinking about, I always think about like, how do I cross pollinate all the different jobs I do? And there's this really nifty tool that I use as a sex educator um, that's very popular in the BDSM communities and sex ed communities. Um, and that is called a yes, no, maybe list where it's this kind of thing where you fill out a list, you can do it yourself or with uh, a partner and then compare when you're figuring out, okay, what's kind of the container <laughs> to use intimacy phrases uh, that we, you and a partner might want to explore different sexual things. And so, you know, the, the original list is it's a list of different sex acts that you're like, Ooh, yes. Like that's, that's really hot to me. I definitely want to explore that. No, that's a hard boundary for me. I, that is just, I'm never going to go there. Um, and then a maybe, which is like, Oh, that really depends on the specifics and circumstances. So I had uh, an epiphany a month or so ago where I was like, Oh, actors should have one of those. Um, and so uh, thus, thus, this worksheet was born. It's like an actor's boundary worksheet in the form of a yes, no, maybe list. I think it's just so much easier to uh, not have to consider these for the first time when you're like in a pressured situation, you know, when when you're at the audition and somebody's like, so are you so can you get naked for this role or so, can, you know, will you do this intimate scene or this violent scene or, or whatever. So I, this worksheet is really an invitation for actors to like take the time on their own before that happens to reflect on that. Because I think when you have a clear sense of what your boundaries are before that moment, it's a little bit easier to, to confidently claim them. Um, and so I started this list around, you know, intimacy practices and physical touch, but um, I expanded it and I also just kind of put out a call on my social media to all the, the actors and folks I'm in community with about like, what else might you have boundaries around around as an actor? So, you know, it's about 
physical touch. There's what you wear or don't wear. Um, it's included, you know, a role that requires intimacy without a specialist or a trained director, but it's also like a subject matter that you're allowed to have boundaries around like, uh, roles that maybe stereotype something about your identity. You're allowed to be like, no, I don't want to play a part that perpetuates that. Or, you know, a project where you're the only person of color or woman or trans person or black person in the cast, maybe you've had negative experiences with that and you decide that's a boundary for you. Um, so there's so many different things you can have boundaries around, which is why I also left a few blank spaces. Yeah, you know, Carly, you brought up a really good good point about uh, actors being able to find out more about themselves and their boundaries. And I'm just wondering if you thought it would be a good idea maybe to fill out this information and then when cast in a show that has intimate content, bringing something like this into a rehearsal process to talk to your co-actors or talk to the director about, and I mean, not the piece of paper itself, but bringing in this information so that uh, your your boundaries and consent are intact. Right, right. Well, I think um, a couple things. One, I, I purposely made this so that it expands beyond just intimate content. So this is really something that for any role or th this can really help actors decide what they want to audition for in addition to what they want to say yes for if they're mm. casting it. But I think, you I mean, they could bring in <laughs> the piece of paper, uh, but they also might, that also might be private. So they mo might, you know, have different levels around what is their comfort sharing it. But yeah, it's definitely can be a useful tool in that. and. I heard a lot of people saying like, should I give this out when I, when I shared online, should I give this out at auditions? Could I bring this in when I audition? And so that kind of led me to, um, I'm eventually going to create in the process of creating a whole series of these, including like a template that if you're holding an audition or a director, you could hand out at the audition to fill out in, in addition to other paperwork or that you could give to your class on the first day or actors on the first day of rehearsal, you know, and have them fill it out at their own comfort level as a way for them to privately communicate to you maybe what their boundaries are, or even just as a way for them to like consider this. Because like I was saying, when I was in theater school, nobody ever said like, you know, you can think about what you are willing to do and what you're not willing to do. So, um, this is really for that. And then I have uh, two more parts of the worksheet. One is I have a place to elaborate your maybe. So because it's a yes, no, maybe mm. list, I've had a number of people say, well, most of these are maybes for me, you know, like boundaries are so situational. So this is kind of a space where you could journal about, um, well, what would make this kind of situation a yes? Is there something that would make this maybe a clear yes for me? Like, oh, I would do this scene, but only if I had an intimacy director I can trust or uh, et cetera, et cetera. And what would make it a clear no? But some things, you know, you don't, you don't know till you come up. And then um, the last part, which I'm like the most excited about is a uh, practice out loud sheet. So these are like, ideas and templates for phrases of how you actually communicate boundaries. And I think sometimes like practicing out loud, you know, imaginary role play conversations can feel a little silly or goofy. It definitely does for me. But uh, I think there's a, a you activate something when you say it in your voice a few times before the actual charged moment, you know? Yeah, it's like, you know, casting a spell or something, you know, when, yes. you, vocalize, when you vocalize something, it kind of makes it more true. Um, so I love that. I love that practice. And, you know, I I feel like if you can vocalize the word no um, and vocalize the word yes as well, that you bring that comfort and you bring that understanding of what your consent and boundaries are out into the world. Yes, absolutely. So like some of the the phrases in that are things like, is blank negotiable? I really love this role, but I have a hard boundary around blank. And that can like start your conversation with the director. So they could be like, nope, this role does require nudity. And then you'd be able to say, okay, well, that's a hard boundary for me. So I'm, I'm going to pass. Or maybe 
the director says, no, well, you know, how would you feel if we did, you were in your underwear, but you were just like a silhouette and we did that with lighting. So that kind of opens up a potential conversation for where is the line for what the story needs and what the actor needs. Yeah, that's great. I, I love it. And, you know, it, while this is in the play, you know, you sound like you have like a little workbook action going on. I do. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> like a publishable thing that people can hold. And that's that's so inspiring. Um, Where can people get it now, though? Um, right now, you can go to my website, carlydwexstein.com, and there's a worksheets page. And then you can just like for free download a PDF of this and you can share it with your class or with fellow actors or your cast or, or whoever. I just ask that you know, keep, keep my name on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I wanted it to be free and accessible for everyone. And eventually I'll compile a bunch of these and other role plays into a workbook, like you're saying, and that that folks can buy but um this is this is the first the first little seedling that's out now and so it's it's free for everybody that's so amazing and i'm sure that we're gonna have hazel post that in our in our information and, and probably post a link in the bio of um of ICIC uh, on Instagram. So look out for that. And if not, go to Carly's website. You should just go to Carly's website. Anyway, <laughs> because it's so dope. So, dope. you know, you bring up this, um, you brought up this uh, little moment just now about auditions and consent and boundaries in audition. I, and I just want to bring a couple of tips and points to interview about uh, my understanding of consent and boundaries in the audition process, because yes, please, you know, I mean, there's a lot of shenanigans around uh, auditions and and the expectations um, of actors in these situations and in these environments. And of course, you know, the hard and fast rule is never go to an audition at a you know, at a hotel or something like that. That's going to put you in any harm because, believe you me there have been auditions that were held in hotels. So what might seem like something for an experienced actor to go, oh my God, as if I would go, you know, we've got young folks out there that are just trying to make it. And, you know, they're just going to the address and going into, to these audition spaces. So just please make sure that your audition is in a well-populated space and that there is a sign-in and that there's a, a professional there to to sign you in and, and take your information. Um, also, more and more, I've been talking to some casting directors uh, in the world, and what I have found to be most helpful is that there's some sort of audition agreement or some sort of document while people are signing in they, so that they understand uh, the rules of play when it comes to auditions with charged content. Mm. So um, don't be afraid to ask those questions of the monitor if there is a monitor or ask those questions as soon as you get into a room. Um, questions that deal with, you know, is if there if I am called back, uh, will there be a chemistry read? Uh, and for those of you who don't know what a chemistry read is, it's, it's, a, it's a time where you have been called back to read against a partner who is also called back, an acting partner who is also called back. So in those instances, there should definitely be, you know, where there is a kiss in the script or a physical contact in the script especially during COVID-19, we want to keep con- physical contact down to a minimum. And uh, there's a thing called a placeholder. Um, I know Carly and I know what placeholders are. Some of you do as well, but it's just uh, an action that you do physically that takes the place of intimate physical contact. Placeholder is is a really fantastic tool. Like for example, in the placeholder of a kiss, you could go cheek to cheek. And the thing that makes up like in your masks, you can do that in masks. And the thing that makes a placeholder work is if the actors commit to the same intention and like mood and intensity and all that of what the moment is, you can still do the acting without a mouth being on a mouth. 
uh, I'm right now doing intimacy for a couple plays that are being filmed to be streamed. And so most of the rehearsal process, you know, we were like, the actors don't need to take their masks off until a few days before it's actually being filmed. And they were able to still hit all the beats of the scene with a placeholder. Um, breath can be a really great placeholder too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Breathing in together and exhaling together can represent so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it is eye contact. Uh, you, it, you know, the masks being, being on with a cheek to cheek contact, as long as everybody um, gives consent for that to happen is great. Um, I, I just want to mention too, that there should, be absolutely be no call for nudity in a preliminary audition. So thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I just don't think that the industry needs to see that. Um, that goes back and harkens back to the 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, when specifically women were judged on their body type. And the bottom line is, is if they want to hire you, they want to hire you. And they're not going to see much more without your clothes than they can see with you wearing something appropriate. Um, So there shouldn't be any kind of nudity of any sort in any preliminary audition. Uh, If there is a call for nudity, then they should provide the proper modesty garments from the bag, fresh. Uh, brand new and then yes yeah, <laughs> thank you very much uh and there should be uh some sort of agreement made for the filming where does that filming go uh who is it going to um so that th- these are things you really need to discuss with your with your agent um if you have one before going in and and agreeing to do nudity for an audition for sure Thank you so much, Anne. I love these tips. They're so valuable. And I think it's it makes me think that like anytime you're doing, you know, not only a chemistry read with another actor, but if you're just reading a scene with another actor, that it's a really good practice to think about what your boundaries are in advance and then come in and be able to negotiate with them and say, uh, are are you all right with us hugging or touching or doing whatever it is like there should never be a surprise kiss that you have not agreed on with your uh fellow scene reader agreed agreed i mean there it all is about communication you know before any type of intimacy can happen there needs to be a conversation with the parties that are included and this can be an enthusiastic conversation um it doesn't have to be one that is rife with with you know oh my gosh this is going to be a hard conversation it should not be it should be a wonderful uh conversation an opportunity to get to know your team and get to know your co-actors uh, another thing that you can do in an audition process uh if you are moving up the line uh and and in the mix as they say out here in hollywood land um <laughs> if if you are being looked at seriously for a role uh, in the audition process, you might want to ask about the uh, presence of an intimacy choreographer, an intimacy coordinator uh, out here in LA, well, in tele- television and film, an intimacy director um, uh, for stage. You might want to uh, ask about that person being present in the rehearsal process. Um, if you feel comfortable asking about that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. I think you can always, once you're, you know, that far in, you could always have a conversation with the director or producer and say, you know, I see that there's this intimate moment in the script. Will there be an intimacy coordinator, director, choreographer, uh, on board for staging this moment? Or, is the director specifically trained in intimacy practices and just, you know, communicate, I need some more information about this before I can consent to accepting this role or working on this project. And uh, I think there's a lot of sometimes, I don't know if pushback's the right word, but when, when I was having some discussions with folks uh, as I was 
around all this in the industry in general. And when I was trying to put together that boundaries worksheet of just like, but people won't respect that in the industry, you know, that goes against the grain. Like having this conversation is not the norm, uh, which makes me think uh, of of um, fractals from Adrian Marie Brown's emergent strategy and this idea that when there is such a large, overwhelming change that needs to happen, like it can feel really paralyzing. Like, how do I fix this? But mm. I think we... We only have control over ourselves in our own more intimate communities. So I think if more and more of us start to do this practice where we put ourselves out there and say, no, you know what, that's actually my boundaries or I need this or, you know, communicating, as you said, is the foundation of consent. So if if we can start to practice that where we have power and control, I think it will ripple and spiral out to the industry at large eventually. And it might take a while, but I think it's worth it. I do too. And I love the idea and the image of a spiral. You know, the more we can think about our careers as spirals or as copying the image of a double helix in DNA, uh, the magic spiral, the timeless spiral that humans have used since the dawning of time, um, I think that we can tap into something that is natural. Uh, we are put into a situation in our arts organizations and in, in theater, television, and film that is extremely linear. It is extremely time-based. It's extremely um, harrowing to, to work under the demands and the speed of things the way they were. Now we have an opportunity to come back and say, hey, slow down. Let's have this conversation. Let's talk about intimacy and what it actually is. Uh, Let's talk about content and using my body to tell your story. Uh, I think there's room for that conversation uh, moving forward simply because we've kind of had the opportunity to kind of burn it down to the ground right now like we're in the embers of what it used to be and just like a phoenix rising from the embers we as the people who are the backbone of this industry have an opportunity to change it and what as soon as one person starts and stands up and says oh you're gonna have an intimacy coordinator on this right with a smile and with enthusiasm, we begin to change the dialogue and we begin to change the perception of what an intimacy professional in the room can do for a production. And I think that's the path that I want to be on. Ooh, amen. So hard to all that. (laughs) (laughs) Hard, 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 hard. Yeah, I just healthy. We want to normalize actors having boundaries because it's the opposite. It's the opposite of what what I was trained in. And it's like, I think actors need boundaries to have a sustainable career, to not burn out. Exactly. So toxic that you're like, I don't want to do that again. And, And I think... When you have healthy boundaries, you you can also show up fully and with wholeness and vulnerability and and do your best work. And this is going to save producers a lot of money. Think about the lawsuits. Think about the therapy. Think about the things that they're going to have to pay for if they don't get on this train. So, yes, intimacy specialists are for the actor. We are 100 percent in the actor's uh, minivan, we are riding with the actors. That's where we ride. But <laughs> lo- looking out and facing into production and f- facing producers and saying, you want this. You want this to happen for you. You know, yes, it may take a millisecond more time, but just like, you know, building something that's worth it, it takes time and it takes people changing their minds, which, you know, might be a challenge for people who have done things in a very patriarchal, white supremacist way, you know, put a little maternal seasoning on that, throw a little bit of time into it, throw a little bit of respect for the actor giving everything they have to make your art come true. And I think we might find higher ground to do what we do um for the masses yes it's not just like 
ethically and like morally in alignment. It's also, I think you get better work when, when actors feel seen and heard and taken care of. Oh my God, we already do everything we can for you. Just imagine if there was some sort of enthusiastic, brave space that you create from the beginning. There's no telling what can happen to the talent to talent base of our industries because they will feel cared for. They will feel respected. They will feel counted. They will feel looked at. They will feel regarded as not a cog in a machine, but as the actual seed for what we can do with this industry. Oh, yes. This I'm is, preaching today. I'm yes. Preaching today. Get up on that pulpit. Okay. I'm preaching. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm always here for it. Um, this is making me think about one of my favorite quotes about boundaries. Um, this is from uh, Prentice Hemphill. Um, and they are a healing justice facilitator and a therapist. And they have this beautiful quote that says, boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. Yes. And wow. And and I just think that really, if we're applying this to professional creative spaces, it's like boundaries are the distance at which I can take care of myself and do my best work for the story simultaneously. That's like, all we want. Yeah. That's all we want as artists is to feel whole and tell a whole story. If you give me that, I will 100% do everything I can to make that story come true because it feeds my soul. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I know that I know that many actors, many artists, let's talk about the whole field. You know, if you are if you are in a symphony orchestra and you have all of this oppressive uh, behavior around your audition process and around, you know, moving from moving up from chair to chair to chair. If there's a oppression around that process, then how well are you going to play? How well are you going to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, have to, we have to look at the arts and actually not just look at the arts, capital T, capital A, but look at the artists who make up the arts. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and like, look at this industry. I mean, it's never, I don't want to say never, but it is so like any industry, you know, grossly entwined with capitalism mm. and with making money and productivity. But, it, you know, I think it's really a chance to, I, I think artists uh, heal like the spirit of communities. I think that is really the, the heart of the job of the artist. And I think if you ask most artists, like, why they got into this in the first place to really dig back to that it is it is more connected to you know the magic the healing the togetherness the processing we can communally get from exploring different stories and it's not really about the money or the fame or the credit or or all of that business so i i think you know all of these can help us kind of realign with what the purpose of an artist actually is i agree i agree you know, I want to get, I want to just say something in here really quickly about the definition that I use for intimacy and for inti intimate content. You know, when you're in those audition processes, make sure that if anything that stands in, uh, in community with your, any part of your identity, be it race, color, your religion, your sex, including pregnancy, sexual orientation, or gender identity expression, your national origin, your age, if you're 40 and older, oh God, I am, your disability, if you're a person living with a disability, uh, or even your genetic information, including your family or medical history. Those are all things that are protected by the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and the definition of intimacy that we use at ICOC, my company, Intimacy Coordinators of Color, is all in protection of all of these identities. So if any part of your identity comes into a community with your character or opposes your character's identity, 
then there's something to be said about a conversation around an intimacy professional coming in, or at least to have a conversation with your director about how your intersectionality meets your, your character's intersectionality. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. That is so important. And I think just empowering for actors to know. Yeah. So, I mean, all right. So what else can an actor do um, when it comes to uh, claiming their boundaries and claiming uh, their consent when there isn't a professional in the room? So we've had the audition process. So you get cast. Yay. You are cast. You have, you're in and the contract comes up. Hmm. What is that Noodle? Yeah, that's my cat. He snuck into the room somehow. Noodle, <laughs> he got Noodle. bored of cat TV, I guess. Noodle <laughs> got a role and now Noodle has a contract in front of him. <laughs> so it's for a cat food commercial and there's another cat and they have to like touch nuzzle. <laughs> yeah, they have to nuzzle. And so Noodle's very interested in knowing exactly how that's going to happen. So in the contract, I'm being silly, but in the contract, <laughs> you you do need to think about uh, some things that if you know, like, for instance, if there is explicit language that, uh, you know, is in community with your race, culture, anything, uh, enslavement scenario, if there's if there's uh, explicit language you know, there needs to be something of a discussion of when that those words, when that language is going to be used. Is it going to be used freely in rehearsal? Uh, is the stage manager going to find another word to use in place of that until tech? Uh, you know, just some questions around language uh, would be a good thing uh, to think about. That's that's brilliant. I think that, um, yeah, boundaries include language. It's not just touch. Um, and and it, you can, you know, decide. I I am not an expert on like the legality of contracts or anything like that. But but that is something you can consider with other boundaries that, you know, maybe you have thought about, well, I don't want to do a nude scene. But have you thought about you know, I don't want to do a scene where my character is called a slur or my character uses a slur. Like that is a boundary mm-hmm. you can have, or you could, um, that could be a maybe for you, depending on, well, who is the director? Mm-hmm. You know, who is leading this space that can make or break, you know, whether that's a, a yes or a no potentially. And so I think that's another instance of just give yourself the time and space to consider where that line is for you, you know, based on your own personal needs and your own personal integrity as an artist and a human. And, and no one else gets to decide that for you or have judgment around what that is for you. That's, that's right. That's right. And I mean, the, the big question, you know, neither one of us are lawyers, so, you know, we're not going to talk about particulars in a contractual agreement, but, you know, there is something called a nudity rider. Uh, I'm working on a show right now and I have just been sent the nudity rider and for each actor. And now I'm looking over those, those documents um, to make sure that everything that is in the script is included in the rider and that everybody feels happy. Yay. That's part of an intimacy coordinator's job. Um, but certainly any concerns that you have, you have the right to uh, mention those. You, you, anything that uh, involves your identity and your needs, you have the right to, to question that. Um, you know, add a writer for what you need. And for those of you who don't know a writer, it's like an extended uh, portion of a contract that focuses in on one particular need that you have. So a writer says, you know, this. there's the joke about, you know, some rock star or something saying, I only want green M&Ms. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. that, is, that is part of a writer, you know, in order for me to do my job well, I'm going to go ahead and need green M&Ms. That's it. Someone's going to have to pick them out everything else. And I just want green Eminem. So that is, that is basically what a writer is. Um, 
something something that's really important um, for me as an African American woman, and and I I really stand in solidarity with uh, black actors out there who have had to deal with the situation with hair and makeup and wardrobe. Um, you know, something it's 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 moving toward the ability to ask for uh, extra money for getting your hair done in a specific way, if it's a, a historical piece, or if there needs to be wigs, or if you need to have your natural hair transformed in some type of way. Uh, a, certainly a professional should be hired to take care of your hair and makeup, just like everyone else, so that when you walk up into uh, makeup design or wardrobe design and you have nude, quote unquote, colored hose, when they're like ivory toned and you're expected to wear those as the color of your skin being nude, nude hose for you, which is certainly doesn't work. Um, those things need to be taken into consideration when you're looking at your contract as well, so that your hair and makeup are on point and that you go out looking fabulous, just like everybody else. And that the money to make that happen doesn't have to come out of your pocket. Oh, absolutely. Like we're at a point where there is no excuse for people still thinking white is the default for anything. I, when I worked in a sex shop for many years at lingerie in quote unquote nude color is always pale white people nude. And it's finally starting to move into, oh, there are many shades of nude because there are many shades of nude, like, duh. Um, but it just, we're, we're in a culture where we're so used to, so used to white and Western being the default. So yeah, you, it's absolutely yes. Yes. To all that. And just like, you deserve to have somebody competent at doing your hair as much as the next actor. Yeah. And I think I just want to put a plug in for our friends over at Intimask. You know, Intimask is a, a company that focuses on modesty garments for theater and film. And they have come up with the most delicious array of skin tones uh, for their modesty garments, which before, you know, I mean, even before like eight, nine months ago, you could only get modesty garments in, you know, the default colors. And Intimask came on the scene and expanded the sizes. They expanded the skin tones. They now have athletic tape, nipple covers. Oops, sorry, I'm going to say nipples. Nipple covers. Nipples. Uh, <laughs> all the... Noodle has nipples. Okay, uh, all those things that you need in order to do your job well for stage and for screen. They've got some of the, the, um, the strongest adhesives that they, that, you know, that are not going to be damaging to the skin to hold these garments in place. Go ahead and take a look at into mask. It's I N T A M A S K, uh, dot UK dot com dot CO. So into mask and they've got a beautiful array of modesty garments. A so shout out to them and Yurit Dor, who is a friend of of ICOC, and um, I'm sure Carly knows her as well. Uh, she's over there smashing it in the UK, and she created uh, the space for into mask to happen. So check them out if you're curious about skin toned um, with an array of skin tones of uh, modesty garments. Yeah, no, they're they're so wonderful. It's not just like two options and anybody in between is shit out of luck. They they actually have a, a beautiful array, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, Anne, about what you were saying about like enthusiastically having these conversations about boundaries, because I think a lot of times when it, it I mean, first of all, you can always just like claim your boundary just as a hard thing and done. Um, yeah. but you know, when, and if you have the emotional capacity, I think there are absolutely ways to, you know, bring people in to being on your team, uh, around mm. it. Like, you know, if you're, if you're just saying like, actually I have a hard boundary around this. So can you tell me about why 
that's necessary to your vision for this story? Or like, how do you think we can creatively work around this and still tell the story that, that we need? Um, because I really believe that, you know, at any creativity and intelligence can, can solve pretty much any work around any boundary. I agree. I agree. And any director worth their salt is going to be interested in the myriad of ways the actor can bring their creativity to a scene. So uh, if you're going to be working under someone who's, um, you know, my way or the highway, I'm sorry. Uh, And sometimes we don't know that until we get into the thick of rehearsal. But if you have a director who is what we call an actor's director who actually does ask questions in the rehearsal room, this would be a great and fun way to just say, well, um, this isn't going to be possible, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? You know, that does, that do fit within my, my boundaries. Um, And they'll be overjoyed um, to, to have the, have the input. For me as a director, it's helpful when an actor gives you more information, even when it's a limitation, like they're, they're communicating something I really need to know to, yeah. to do my job. Um, and I have one more question. And what would you say, like, or advice would you give about if an actor is working on something and they, a, a boundary that they've already claimed is, is uh, not respected. Like what might be a good way to, to handle that or a way forward or through that? Like if you, if they're in a rehearsal process and the director keeps asking them to do something that they don't feel comfortable doing. Yeah. Or if they've already said like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Uh, and then the director has still asked them to do that anyway. Mm. Well, I, you know, (laughs) I'm petty as fuck. Okay, so if I'm in that situation and the director is confronting me about something that is a hard no, um, I would look to the stage manager and say, "Um, did I make myself clear in the statement that I just made? Um, I would bring it to the stage manager because the stage manager, not only it's their responsibility to keep everything intact, but it's also the set of ears that knows that, uh oh. This might be a situation that goes into the equity deputy realm. This Mm. might go to the artistic director realm. This might go to the producer realm. And so it's always good to be confrontational if you've said no several times and the director doesn't hear. Stop talking to the director and talk to someone else. I love that. That's that's so helpful. And I think you could tell you could also maybe tell the stage manager and director together. Like it, it's so situational. Like if do you, if you feel like it's the most empowering, you could speak up in front of the whole cast, or you could just, you know, tell the director and stage manager, "Hey, I need to I need to have a word with you after rehearsal," and and say, you know, this violates a boundary I already communicated. And so, you know, if we want to continue working together, we have to address that. And what I need to move forward from this situation is X, Y, and Z, um, you know, because the, the, at that point, it, there requires some relationship repair and some repairing of trust when that happens. I agree. You know, I so I, I have this little list of tips, what, you know, that really speaks to this, if I can share. Oh, please. Um, so you've moved out of contract. You're, you've signed on the dotted line. You're so happy about it. You've got your green M&Ms and it's the first day of rehearsal. So how do you create a helper culture in that rehearsal process um, so that you don't feel alone? Um, one thing that I, I mean, I think we talked about this in our very first episode all those hundreds of years ago, Carly. <laughs> wow, yeah. Um, we talked about something called a working agreement or a cast agreement about yes. charged material. So that's one thing that, you know, I'm trying to uh, introduce and support in the world of stage management. 
Um, I'm speaking to stage managers now about how they can introduce the idea of a cast agreement and make sure that everyone's on board with this is the way forward for this rehearsal process and have everybody, quote, unquote, sign off on that or agree or give their consent for that um, to happen. And then that way you have kind of the rules of play, excuse me, when you're working in that creative space. It's already been outlined for you. You can always refer back to it. It can uh, be taped up around the rehearsal room so people can see it uh, outside the rehearsal door so people can see it. So it's a very present and living document that everybody signs off on basically at table um, before the rehearsal process begins. Um, Another thing that we do as intimacy coordinators, or at least is required um, in the the big three uh, schools, is that we require um, uh, in a, uh, bystander intervention training. And this is a great thing for all actors to take. And while it sounds like, oh, I don't want to be getting in people's business, we have to stand together in solidarity. So in an instance where, Carly, you know, you were talking about how uh, this actor is being confronted by the director of, you know, why don't you try this? Can you try this? And the the actor is kind of, you know, dis- displaying... Um, fight or uh, uh, flight they're they're displaying flight or freeze um kind of react uh, somatic reactions which means they're just kind of standing there being very very quiet or they want to run out of the room they're about to run out of the room uh one thing that co-actors can do is just diffuse the situation. You can distract, you can, uh, you know, find ways to stand up for that actor while they're having a somatic, uh, traumatic somatic response. Um, a great organization to, (laughs) I am not an expert. I have the training, but I'm not an expert, a great organization to, to get the best bystander intervention training, I believe, is a company called Hollaback. And that's, yes. you know, H-O-L-L-B-A-C-K, Hollaback.com. And they have free classes, three, I think they're 30-minute courses on the definition of what innocent bystander training is. And also they give you great tips. It's interactive. You do surveys within the workshop. So it's it's very um, user-friendly and communicative. And like I said, it's F-R-E-E. <laughs> so if you're an actor out there, you got to take that uh, bystander training, bystand, uh, bystander intervention training. It's really great. And, it, and it, I think it makes you uh, a better artist, really. Yeah and an advocate. And yeah, I think, I think as an actor, if you're seeing another actor in that situation, uh, you could, a great way of diffusing the situation could be, you know, you speaking up and saying, you know, I heard, uh, this actor saying that they don't want to do that. I actually have an idea for an alternative. Could we try this? Mm. You know, like there's, I think that's, that's absolutely something that is uh, appropriate and can be helpful to do. Um, though it's always so situational. Um, yeah, it is. It does really does depend on the situation you bring. You know, that's a really good point. You know, if it, you just have to really feel the room and and feel the, and and have those skills at the ready before you need them. I think yeah. is the best practice is yeah, just to have those in your pocket just in case you see a co actor having a response that's something that 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 might be triggering or cause them um, discomfort uh, when it comes to the power dynamic in the room. Absolutely. There's there's this other response uh, I learned about in addition to fight, flight, or freeze. It's called fawn. Yeah. What is that? I've been hearing about that, but I haven't had the chance to dig in. Tell us what that is. I mean, I'm definitely not an expert, but my understanding is that that is kind of a way to... um, it's when you're you're kind of placating and going along with the person that you feel threatened by 
to diffuse the threat. And so mm. that is another potential. And that can be harder to read that somebody is having that response. But I think another option, in addition to if you're an actor and you see an actor in that situation in your past, you could speak up in the moment and disrupt harm if you see that's really obviously happening. But you also could just go up to your fellow actor on the next break or after rehearsal and just check in with them and mm. say, hey, I noticed this situation. Maybe the director wasn't respecting your boundaries or they're saying something. Uh, did I did I read that right? And is there a way that I can support you going forward in rehearsal? Would you like me to speak up if the director does that again? Or is that something you would prefer to kind of handle privately on your own? Is is another option for that situation. Oh God, that is just so damn friendly. <laughs> it's so friendly. Can but, we yeah. be back to get back to being friends in a cast and not being professionals that are hired with a contract? Can we just be friends? Yeah, I think, and I think you can do both. Like, I think you can absolutely be, you know, professional and show up with your, of course, your best game, but also be a fucking human, you know, <laughs> like professionalism. I think a lot of quote unquote professionalism can be very much wrapped in white supremacy and Western culture and certain expectations for behavior that are really problematic. But amen. Can I get I, an amen? Amen. Um, and I think, you know, you can show up and do your job and be on your game and also be a human especially in arts where we are so human we're so vulnerable and um yeah it's kind of our job yes to be human so like let's not just be human in the product and in the craft but let's be human to each other in the process right i think there's been so much fear instilled in the process of being called difficult or this this actor is trouble or you know this kind of defamation action that has ruined careers because people stood up for themselves that yeah. we just have to push back on that a little bit and go hey i am giving you 90 percent of my cells <laughs> can you no, please no. you know just, i i agree you know you know what i'm saying like my my the the bag that my soul is in is really trying to show up for you in your production so can you give me the benefit of the doubt that, you know, th that my soul part of my body doesn't want to do this, you know, <laughs> please. Yeah, I, I think I mean, this is kind of silly, but I think if we do have like an I am Spartacus moment that will, <laughs> you know, no, you didn't. No, you did not just be like, I am Spartacus. I well, am Spartacus. If we are all say I have boundaries, I have boundaries, I have boundaries. Oh my then, God, that's a campaign. Then that changes things and it makes the one, it, it's less vulnerable than just one person standing up. But sometimes it takes that person to start. And, and every actor gets to decide and every artist where that fits for them. Like, you know, if they're like, no, I don't want to be the I have boundaries person because I need this paycheck or I need this whatever. I'm not here to judge, you know, right. anyone's behavior and tell you what to do. But I do think, and I do think at the same time that, you know, what if the whole cast says, I have a boundary around this. Yep, I do too. I do too. You know, then you have to be heard when we have this like group solidarity. It's, it's harder to ignore. Ladies and gentlemen, all kinds, all ages, everyone listen to this. Carly has just coined hashtag I have boundaries. <laughs> It happened here. It happened here. For all of you honeybees out there, you heard it here first. <laughs> Ooh, honeybees. I love that as a very sweet gender neutral term. Well, yeah, all you honeybees. <laughs> yes. I, I've started using honeybees. Yeah. I, I slipped earlier with the L and G. I meant That's honeybees. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, folks of all yeah, genders, friends oh. and enemies alike. <laughs> hey, you know what? This makes me think of something that we've started, this initiative that we have started uh, at ICOC. You know, I'm going to talk about the intimacy captain. Oh, yes. 
So intimacy captains kind of sparked, I've been having conversations with um, a few people in the know and it seems as though there, you know, when we move back into theater spaces, that there's going to be a need, uh, much like a dance captain who reviews the dance uh, when the choreographer has left the project, uh, a fight captain who is a person in charge of the fight choreography when the fight choreographer or fight director leaves um, the situation. So now there has been uh, this interest in intimacy captains. And so intimacy captains would work hand in hand with the intimacy choreographer while they're there and be an observer and be a note taker, uh, watch uh, the actors working. And then when the choreographer, who often is only there for a couple of days, does the choreography and then comes back for a day of tech, mm-hmm. you know, there's nobody in charge of the of the machine of the cho- of the intimacy choreography once that choreographer leaves tech. And it often falls on stage managers who are always, and especially when we get back with, can you imagine the masks and the COVID compliance and all of that, that stage managers are going to have to track during a production. So this position of intimacy captain kind of takes on the role of uh, doing the intimacy call before show. Uh, would make sure to monitor the timings of the choreography and make sure that everything is intact um, with the the staged work. Uh, and also would then become a liaison to the stage management team to make, to you know, just to report in, hey, yes, we did the call, everything's great. Or, hey, yeah, did you notice that that kiss lasted five seconds longer last night? Okay, we need yeah. to, we need to address that um, so that we just keep the choreography uh, as intended and what the director, who often leaves the production as well, uh, has intended and agreed with with the with the intimacy choreographer. So um, my company, Intimacy Co- uh, Coordinators of Color, has created uh, a a certificate, not a certification, but a certificate that says that you are a person who is qualified to be an intimacy captain because you've gone through this, uh, this training and we're offering it, uh, on April 4th. That's our first class. We're offering that, uh, you can find out all the information and get your ticket, uh, through our website at intimacycoordinatorsofcolor.com. So come join us and it'll be a kind of a cool thing that you can put right in front of rollerblading on your resume in your your special abilities. I had rollerblading on my resume for I don't know how long. And finally, I looked at it again after I turned 40 something. I'm like, bitch, you better take rollerblading off your resume. You don't want to run anymore. You'll be out there like skinning knees and crying and asking for EMTs and all kinds of stuff. So um, it's always good to add things that are relevant. And I think, you know, as uh, an intimacy captain on your resume certainly puts you, uh, gives a cause of in- interest, uh, may give them uh, an opportunity to ask you an extra question. Oh, intimacy captain, what is that? You know, anything, yeah. anything that's going to keep you in the room longer, take it, you know, yes. and then also to be very, very helpful to the cast that, that, uh, that you are cast in as a set of eyes that has a little bit more knowledge than like the stage manager about what intimacy is. I love that. That's, that's such a great resource and um, yeah, really cool thing that you can train, add to your actor skills. And uh, just like what you said about rollerblading made me think about, you know, just like you have to update your resume, your resume, what your resume (laughs) and your Carly, it's your your, world. It's your world. (laughs) And your skill sets, because those change over time, your boundaries also change over time. Mm. So I definitely it would invite actors to like do a check in about your boundaries like a few times a year. And also your boundaries can be different based on different medium. Like you might be like, oh, nudity on stage, I feel about one way, but nudity on film, I have all different kinds of feelings about, you know, yeah. so just let 
go with the flow of your boundaries. They're, they're not nothing. Nothing's permanent. That's, that's just like rollerblading. <laughs> just like <laughs> rollerblade. Oh my god, I can't imagine getting on them right now. But um, it, maybe Noodle. Maybe Noodle knows how to rollerblade. That'd be amazing. That would be so cute. But he, he does not. No. Um. Um, right well yeah. i think we should we should wrap it up yeah let's um, wrap it you know everything is everything is in flow we're so glad to be back yes thank you so much for listening uh we have some really exciting things planned for this quote-unquote season two um we're gonna try to have a lot of guests in this season it, other intimacy professionals actors directors teaching artists the designers i don't know the the whole shebang um so we're really looking forward to to sharing uh bringing in guest conversations with y'all yes and talking about subjects that uh you know where we can reach out into the profession and get people's understandings and interesting uh interesting comments and conversations out there in the world of entertainment and so we're so glad to be able to do that um i i'd like to really thank david for being with us um he is our sound engineer extraordinaire the designer of our or the creator of our intro music and exit music um just so just so great to um have him on the team and also for hazel uh hey hazel she couldn't be here today but because she's a working actor yeah. Uh, so she's on the job, but you know, over here at uh, Intimacy Choreography and Conversation, we are so delighted um, to be back on the on the waves of Pod. <laughs> and uh, if you have any questions or uh, would like to to know a little bit more about what we're doing, you can visit either of our websites or um, just. Uh, get a question in on us through Spotify or iTunes or there's so many that cover us now, which is really exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening listeners. We're really happy to, to be back in your earbuds and uh, thank you. Anne, for this wonderful conversation today. Oh my God. I'm so glad we're back. I'll see you next time. If you, yes, you listening right now, have any questions about intimacy choreography, direction, consulting, or just the intimacy field in general, please send them to our email, which is the letters I-C-I-C dot Anne and Carly at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at the letters I-C-I-C underscore Anne and Carly where we will be posting info about upcoming episodes and other intimacy-related tidbits. And as usual, we'd also like to pop, pop, pop our sound designer, editor, and otherwise extraordinary person, David Gonzalez. And pop, pop, pop to our wonderful producer, Hazel Lozano. Music by David Gonzalez. The podcast logo is by Zach Brown. Pop, pop.